Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. What is advocacy, especially in the realm of accessibility? Hello, everyone. I'm Jolie McDonald from Accessibrand, and I'd like to welcome you to the second season and the seventh episode of our podcast, Why Access Matters. This episode will not only cover the question about the connections between accessibility and advocacy, but will also cover lots of thought-provoking topics about accessibility. So I hope you'll stay with me until the end. Accessibility and advocacy, two concepts that mean so much to many and that make up the foundation of our podcast as we advocate for a more accessible world. But as always, here's a little something to reflect on and ask yourself. What would be your first thought if you heard that a non-disabled or able-bodied person was advocating for accessibility and sharing the stories and experiences of people with disabilities? Hello again, everyone. I'm Jolene McDonald from Excessive Brand, and I'd like to welcome you to the second season and the seventh episode of our podcast, Why Access Matters. Since June of 2022, Why Access Matters proudly and happily brings you thoughts and talks about accessibility every last Friday of each month, and we invite you to listen to our first season on your favorite podcast platform. All of our episodes are standalone talks, but each of our guests bring their own valuable, unique perspectives and thoughts to the topic, concept, and necessity that is accessibility, and we encourage you to listen to all of them. Now that you've thought about my first question, let me also ask, do you feel that everyone, disabled or not, has a responsibility to work toward or push for an accessible world in society for all? Why or why not? To better understand how important it is to break down barriers and also to address that everyone, including non-disabled people, can and should do their part towards a more equitable and accessible world, I spoke to Cam Baudouin, who is the founder of Accelerated Accessibility. Cam describes his vision and mission in this way. Many organizations struggle with disability inclusion. I help teams recalibrate that conversation, leading to better adoption and increased acceptance throughout the organization. In our conversation, you'll be hearing very soon, he spoke not only as a disability inclusion advocate and social media influencer in accessibility, but he also shared his own story with me about he, as a non-disabled person, entered the accessibility sphere in the first place. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand thoughts and talks about accessibility. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so excited for you to be with us today, Cam. First question we have is, how would you like to introduce yourself today? Oh, man. I'm a professional speaker on disability inclusion and accessibility, host of Normalize It. A fair, you know, a show that maybe you know you've 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 been on it. I think yes, I was. Thank you again for having me on. That was a great opportunity, and I think it was a really great experience. And you have a lot of viewers tune into that on LinkedIn as well. 
Can you believe it now? I was looking at the show data and I had it aggregated and I have over 12,000 people, unique visitors who've now watched the show, which is huge, which is huge. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by the community. That's amazing. Well, I'm so excited to hear about that. So that's a great opportunity to lead us into the next question. So you're an influencer who brings attention to the connections of work, disability and accessibility. I think, in fact, uh, we don't really have a lot of influencers like you. I think there's a few, but you seem to be popping up all over the place. How did that feel for you? And we'd like you to tell us about your experience and how it feels when you look back. So basically, what's the progress been and how's the response been? So it's still very weird to me because I've always been a, like, you know, a leader from the back kind of person. You know, I don't want to be the one in the limelight. I love, I, I will take the limelight, but I don't want to be any limelight. And I think this is the first time anyone's called me an influencer because I'm not sure what I'm influencing yet. But the idea that uh, someone once told me that uh, she said, Cam, you know, what you do is you invite people to the table. And because you look like, a white guy, what happens is that other white guys look at you and they say, hey, uh, we want to listen to that guy. And then people in the disability, disability community say, well, he's our voice at that table and he invites us to that table. So when that when someone told me that, I felt very, um, like, I, like that was the space that I occupy in this industry. So yeah, on stage or when I'm giving a speech to a group of people, I recognize that I, you know, I... <laughs> able-bodied and I am able to speak about this because of my experience and finding people out there who have stories or who have lived experiences and shining the light on them and saying, Hey, give me your story. And how do you see this industry going? And where do you see this industry going? That I think is the superpower that, uh, that I try to bring here. I think just leading into that too, is like, how's the progress of the response of the community or society been to all of your efforts and like, what kind of feedback are you getting? So I get, I mean, I get pretty positive feedback. I mean, I, I like to, I like to say that, uh, you know, I always have room to grow and there's always space to grow in, in how do you like, what is advocacy, right? Like, I think that once upon a time, we all tend to think of like, Advocacy is when you go to Times Square and you put a soapbox on the ground and you start speaking from a soapbox. You start to like, but then advocacy can actually be whatever you want it to be. It can be something as a grassroots movement of trying to find people who want to, um, you know, donate money for a cause. It can be opening up a um, a GoFundMe account for a family member who has recently contracted cancer or or uh, a disease, or it can be inside your own organization and saying something along the lines of, you know what, accessibility is important. I think we should make a movement or we should celebrate something like Global Accessibility Awareness Day. And let's have a day where we can celebrate that. So advocacy can really be whatever you want it to be. To me, I have a show and 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 I host that on LinkedIn because that's where I find my audiences. And there's other creators on LinkedIn too, who are doing some fantastic things as well. So advocacy I've learned can be whatever you want, whatever you want it to be, as long as you, and you can totally make it yours. So it's not on the list, but I'd, I'd love the audience to hear about how you got started in this. Cause you mentioned you're able-bodied. Mm -hmm. so how did you get into, you know, the disability and advocacy space for accessibility? So I, used to be a developer uh, for a large organization. And it's funny because as a lot of people realize that 
uh, the accessibility projects are usually not handled by like the best developers. And I say that in air quotes, you know, it's usually like the senior engineers are the ones that they put on the really complex tasks and then accessibility gets thrown into the juniors. Well, I was that junior and I remember waiting for logins. I had to wait six weeks for logins for the project because this is, you know, before COVID and it took them forever to do these kinds of remote work things and VPN and stuff like that. So I read the web content accessibility guidelines. Can you believe it? Like, <laughs> like it was something like a lot 80, of reading. 90 pages. It was a lot of reading, but I became the expert. I became the person in the organization who later on that specialty became you know, the main reason people came to talk to me. So anytime there's a project within the company that had something to do with accessibility, even if it was just something along the lines of, you know, we will check for accessibility or we'll, you know, help developers. I became the go-to person. And for large organizations, you're going to get, if you, if you start to specialize in something like this, people are going to come to you. You're going to become the known person for accessibility. But it really wasn't until I met my friend who, uh, who's blind. And what he did is he was kind of like the the touring accessibility coach or teacher. So um, he would go and teach teams about accessibility and things like that. And my boss, who was an ex-consultant, kind of, you, you know him, you know, these types of guys, right? Like A-type personality. They think they know everything, right? He walked right up to my friend and stuck his hand in his face and said, you know, hi, Tom, my name's Jim. And like, like, <laughs> and the thing is when you're like a salesperson or a consultant turned manager, like, you know, he had that idea of like, who's going to flinch first, right? Like mm -hmm. I got my hand out, who's flinching first. I died of embarrassment. I ran back to my desk and went on YouTube and typed in how to shake a blind person's hand. And it was amazing because I'd never, even though I was the guy for accessibility, I'd never actually met a user who uses assistive technology, who would use the technology that I was building. I was purely working out of what the guidelines show. And as you and I both know, mm -hmm. the guidelines are not everything, right? Yeah. The guidelines have a lot of good stuff but there are some big gaps in there that just cannot be kind of what put on paper or exceptions or things like that. Yeah. So it was through him that I learned that this is so much more about people. And that's what started my idea of, I went to go speak at CSUN, uh, the CSUN accessibility conference, as well as I hosted global accessibility awareness day in the organization, went on to do consulting and just kind of like grew from there. So, but that was definitely a pivotal moment. And when I started to say, this is about the people, this isn't about the tech. Yeah, I think that's really what we're all about is about the people because mm -hmm. there's lots of great tech out there. And while, you know, it's it's essential to the journey of accessibility, it still doesn't create all the answers and people right. are forgetting about the actual users and engaging them in the project. So that's really our focus. So it's cool to hear that that's really what changed you because there's so many people out there that are in the tech side of doing accessibility, but they're still not getting people with disabilities involved in the project. Right which is, you know, nothing for us without us. Yeah. That's really where it stems to. So that's pretty cool how you started that journey. So thanks for sharing that part with us. Because there's, and if I could just add as well, there's so much that you just can't cover if you just focus on technology, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I remember someone coming to me once and she was saying, you know, we want to handle user experience, and but we only want to do it from an assistive technology point of view. And I'm like, I don't know how you're going to do that. That is so far beyond, like really somebody with a mobility issue, yeah. uh, how, like where the assistive technology is so customized to how that, to how that person experiences the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's not, you know, if, if you have a, if you're, if you're an amputee, you're generally not, you don't have any barriers to technology. Uh, I mean, by and large, that's a very broad statement, but 
you know, it's, it's just not the same. So uh, once I really started to learn that, oh, you know, universal design matters in the physical space and in the, the digital space. And, and there, there's just so much more here than just, let's just put alt text on image. Yeah. And it's so much more than just websites, which is most, absolutely. Think. it's just, you know, dropping something onto your website and go, oh yeah, it's great. You know, the little pop-ups and everything we don't talk about those, but it's so much more than that. It, mm-hmm. it, it goes beyond a website. It's your emails, it's your content, it's the visuals that you're using, you know? So there's just, there's, I mean, the list goes on and on. But, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's, I'm sure we could talk. I know what last time we met, we talked forever, but I think one of the other things we like to ask every guest is why is accessibility essential for society and not just for people with disabilities? You can specifically relate that to technology, but can you give us some thoughts on that? Well, I'm going to talk about a report that I once read on cognitive load. Okay. What is cognitive load? It's like how much we can handle like in our minds it at one time, right? Like how much can we like put in there? So in high stress scenarios, your cognitive load is quite high, right? You're trying to think of this stressful scenario. And this is something that's very, that's talked about usually with, uh, uh, for people whose first language is in English, or maybe somebody with uh, cognitive uh, disabilities. But what really drove this home for me was an example of imagine if there was a, like a poison control website, right? You don't want somebody who has a high cognitive load to be hunting around for your phone number, mm-hmm. right? And if you do, like imagine if your your child has swallowed, I'm not sure, you know, some kind of bottle of something underneath the sink. And if you're going hunting, okay, I got to go to the contact link. And if, oh, wait, no, that wasn't it. I need to click on the phone number and yeah, I got to scroll no down. For that. There's no time for that, right? And so what do you want? is to have the phone number in big, bold letters right on the front page to say like, are you, you know, have you swallowed something? Call poison control, right? Like that. Yeah. And that to me is a perfect example of what, of, of why accessibility is so essential for society, right? I could talk about the specifics or convince somebody to like, due to people with cognitive disabilities, we need to have this link here. Or I can say, Poison control phone number should be on the front page because people will die if it's not. And, and and it's like such an obvious example. That's a curb cut effect, which I know that probably a lot of listeners have heard of before, right? Curb cuts being the ramps as you go down curbs allows people who have strollers or with mobility issues to be able to get up on the curb without any problems. So I would I, I use that example quite often where it's essential for society because, man, it helps everybody understand. Uh, it just helps everybody uh, when you build or design or create things um, with more people in mind. Yeah, I think it's been different seeing how much the physical environment has acknowledged that, but not the digital environment. Mm-hmm. How late to the game the digital side is even for myself i had been a you know graphic designer for so many years and didn't know anything about accessibility until the birth of my daughter who has dwarfism and later for me but you know the the requirements for digital accessibility are just as important as physical requirements and not just the bare minimum because it means that everybody is entitled to an equitable experience regardless of disability, race, gender, language, or anything like that. So thanks for sharing that. I think it's important for people to not just think about, oh, I'm not going to do that because I don't have any clients that are blind. You know, like it's way more than that. It's so much more than that. Uh, Um, I love that. I love that. When, when customer, when customers, when people come and say like, well, I don't have any 
clients with disabilities. And I said, oh, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your client. How did you, how do you know that information, right? Like, you know, maybe the reason you don't have any clients with disabilities is because <laughs> your technology is not usable by that market segment of people, right? Like, yeah. you know, the argument just breaks down the more you ask questions in those scenarios. But but uh, I love what you said, uh, by the way, I just want to go back a second when you mentioned uh, that, you know, the phys- the digital space hasn't caught up with the physical space. And I have a, a theory why that is. Can you imagine in the 60s when curb cuts started to happen? And I guarantee, I, I guarantee you that there is somebody somewhere who built a curb without a curb cut in it. And there was some government official who came by and said, that's not to code anymore. And he went, oh, darn it. And he had to like redo the curbs. He had to repour the concrete. I yeah. guarantee it. I think that's just because technology moves so fast. We don't have those like hard and set rules of I'm making a curb and this is a crosswalk. I'm going to put up, you know, I'm going to put some curb cuts here. Yeah. And for the new generation of people who are working in the digital space and technology, it needs to be integrated into the school systems, like post-secondary. They need it as one of their core pieces because we're not going to start changing the way we do projects if we don't learn it from the beginning. Um, Like I said, Right now, for a lot of people, they were already working. They're not learning it in school, but some of them are now. So I'm seeing it trickle in, which is great. But I think that's the biggest thing is we need to get across is that accessibility isn't just for the disabled community. It is for everyone. Absolutely. It's really that simple, but hopefully we can get that across more often to everybody. Yeah, yeah. I heard something really interesting recently about Gen Z, who is just starting to enter the workforce and they're, you know, just graduating now and things. And Gen Z are looking to work for and purchase from organizations who have proper ESG, environmental sustainability and governance goals, right? Mm-hmm. And if you are not a part, an organization who cares or thinks about these types of things, like do you have DEI goals or DEIA, including accessibility? Mm-hmm. If you're not thinking of those things, you know, the generation that is coming up in the workforce now does not want to work for you and yeah. does not want to buy from you. So these are things that, you know, just based on the generational uh, changes that are happening, um, you're missing out. You're just plain simply missing out. Yeah. Uh, not to mention all the extra income that could come in if you make small changes. Tiny small, yeah. Well, that's a great topic. I wish we could talk about it all day. But I think one of the things we also talk to everybody about, uh, because there's people who don't know about accessibility, I'm sure that are tuning in, is what is your message to people who don't know about accessibility? And of course, there's some people who are afraid of it. Right. What would right. you say to them? Or, I mean, you probably do that now in your job. What What's your spiel? So I always say, you know, we want, we tend to take accessibility one of two ways, right? It's either we're going to change the entire organization. We're going to do it all. And then you realize that accessibility is a way bigger thing than just what we mentioned before, right? Like alt text and labels and checkbox, 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 right? Yeah. It's this it's it's a transformation that your organization will have to go through. But I'm telling you something, just like your legal department still needs to update their knowledge on you know the latest laws, employment laws or what have you, just like your accounting department needs to know the latest tax codes and, and regulations like that, this is something that will always be changing over time and, and updating, right? So it it shouldn't we shouldn't be afraid of it just because it's something that's unknown. And if you're someone who's listening who does not know about accessibility and you're 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 afraid of it, or maybe this is the first time you're even hearing about it, then 
you're lucky because there's a lot of people who've already made those mistakes, right? Julian, I'm sure that you know lots of people who've been in the industry for a long time. 15 years ago, it was even harder to get involved into accessibility than it is oh, yeah. now. We've got tools and there are lots of great books on accessibility or inclusive design or universal design or, you know, um, what does, what is, what is it really to have a diverse workforce? But really, when I start to uh, talk to someone who is not really knowledgeable about it, I really reinforce the fact that start small, start so small, start tiny, tiny, tiny. And it doesn't matter if you're someone who's listening, who you're trying to convince your boss to care about accessibility. Like, I, I, you know, you got to start with some really small and easy wins. And whether that's just like putting or, or checking uh, your email for accessibility, right? If, if anyone uses Outlook who's listening, it's got an accessibility checker inside. You just click a button and it checks it. And if that's the small win that you can get. If you can convince your team or if you can convince, you know, your HR department, whoever it is to just click that button before they send something, then that is a conversation starter. And that starts to show your employees who may have disabilities as well. We're yeah. just not talking about it. That safe space is coming or that people are starting to care in the organization. So don't be afraid of it. Start really small. That's my message there. And I think we see a lot too on social media about progress over perfection. You talk totally. about that a lot. And there's people out there that absolutely attack people right away because, you know, I I'm always afraid of it. If we put something out and we're not perfect, mm -hmm. but nobody's perfect and you do your best. I think we need to be accommodated, not accommodated, maybe acknowledged is the better word for doing whatever we can do. And I think that's that's one of the big things. And and there's still that divide between whatever country you're in with your laws, oh, I don't have to comply versus complying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even those, you know, obviously we target clients that have to comply because it's a hard sale for people who don't because they're not seeing, you know, the the good end result. But what about those people that don't have to comply? What do we say to them? Because we want everyone to do it regardless of the law. Absolutely. Like I really like to lean into those business benefits of caring about accessibility. We've talked about a few of them already. Um, but when, and I've been attacked, by the way, going back to the whole thing of, you know, I know I have posted something or I've said, you know, what are the business benefits of targeting a market segment like this? And I've been slammed for that on social media before, because the perception is we want to monetize people with disabilities. But that's not the angle. The angle is how do we show people whose attention currently is only about, well, I have to care about shareholders or I need to make my company profitable or something like that. If that's the type of person who's listening or is, you're, you know, you're speaking to in your uh, professional advice, well, then all they can hear at that moment is what's my return on investment in doing this kind of thing. And you know what? I think us as accessibility professionals, we should not shy away from that conversation. We mm -hmm. should learn how to have a business conversation around accessibility. We should learn how to have, you know, these are the, this is the, uh, the immediate return investment that you're going to, we talked about it briefly, right? Oh, um, I don't have any clients with disabilities. Well, maybe that's because <laughs> your website doesn't work for people with disabilities. Maybe it's because uh, somebody with a screener cannot use it and they don't want to purchase from your website. So spend the money make your shopping cart. Like we can talk about the real basic stuff. Just make your, make your uh, uh, product listing pages and your product pages and your shopping cart accessible at least to get people over. Because I remember hearing a story about someone who um, 
um, uh, whose grandmother was blind and she, but she used a screen reader and she wanted to purchase toys for her grandkids. And she had like seven grandkids and it was like whatever toy website was not accessible. And I'm like, that is your, that is your client market right there, but you just lost a sale and that data is not going to show up. So having our industry acknowledge that there are business reasons for doing this and getting comfortable with that conversation, it has to be more than just, this is the right thing to do because at the very beginning, businesses are not ready to have that conversation. It's not the only thing to have, right? That's yeah. a later conversation. But to start off with, I love talking about ROI. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's the business reasons of doing this. Yeah, there's so many reasons. I think, you know, not only is it a good thing to do, it's the right human thing to do. Absolutely. I, there's lots of financial benefits from it and, you know, with search engine and and things like that. But again, it's it's not just for one community it's really for everyone and it's just going to benefit you down the road because at every point in our lives we're going to experience disability whether we want to admit that or not and that's i think right. that's one of the things i see and, and of course for me my passion became when it experienced it personally for me and then not just me before my scenario but with my child and i'm seeing that now you know you could be in an accident tomorrow and boom you know your life is completely different Absolutely. I would love to see people's passion ignited before they face those realities and listen. But I mean, baby steps are better than no steps. So uh, we're always happy to hold people's hand. And I think that's the big thing. It's not all or nothing. You can, you can start small. Right, right. Well, I'm amazed at how many organizations now are even just posting their accessibility statements or having accessibility at the bottom. Like I consciously choose for my business to not purchase from companies that do not that that don't have an accessibility statement right like between when i need to procure a video service or something like that to post i don't know video links or something mm-hmm. i choose to go for an organization that has an accessibility statement and even though the accessibility statement uh or it has like a, a vpat right a voluntary product accessibility uh uh Template. Oh, I almost lost it there. Too many acronyms. <laughs> Not plain language. Oh, man. <laughs> Even though their their VPAT is full of violations, like they're admitting to it, right? They're they're conscious about it too, and. I think that more and more people who are just even curious or want to know what that is or large organizations who are procuring from companies like that, like this is the trickle down, top down effect. Government wanted it first, uh, a large um, uh, like universities and colleges uh, were next and large organizations, of course, who are in Canada beholden to some of the uh, the laws we have here uh, for accessibility. You know, what? And everyone that they procure from, I know what, all the large banks here in Canada, they are now choosing to only procure from from uh, companies that have accessibility statements when they can, right? I mean, yeah. if there's if they're comparable, uh, and that is something that you know that wasn't happening five years ago, but it's happening now. So, what now happens to those companies who have been procured from these big banks? Well, yeah. they're going to make their tools accessible, and so then the next person who purchases from them automatically gets the benefits of an accessible software yeah. piece of software as well. And they've all been integrating diverse supplier programs for the most part too. Absolutely. We're a diverse supplier under shout out to IWSCC, which, you know, another acronym, but it's inclusive workplace supply council of Canada. A lot of the banks and the bigger orgs are partnering with companies and organizations like that because right. we're having more opportunities is disabled owned. Um, now IWSCC is disabled and veteran owned. Um, companies, but it's great opportunities for everybody all the way around. And the little guys get more opportunities too. So absolutely, 
It's a great question to lead in or comments to lead into our next question. So we were saying before, we're kind of referring to our previous question about social media. I know that as part of your job, you're helping accessibility and diversity advocates to strengthen, I'll say their influence, but what's your advice to the younger generation of people with disabilities for them to share their own stories? What would you, any advice or commentary on that? Sure. Well, I'd say get on TikTok and start sharing. I've seen a plethora of creators out there who are just, okay, look, I'm colorblind. All right. You want to know a good story? And I saw this guy, he has over like a million followers on either Instagram or TikTok. And all he does is he pours paint and tries to guess the color. That's it. That's his whole gig. It's his, it's his thing. And you know what? What a great, what a great thing. Cause he's now sharing with the world. Like this is what it is to be colorblind. I don't know if that's purple or blue. And then he just, he just shares that story. And what a great way to, to start to bring awareness to what it is to have a lived experience. Yeah. So sharing on social media, you don't have to get out there and do a full podcast or like a whole show. You don't need to go and speak on stage. If that's not for you, create a lunch and learn at your workplace. You can, you can host a, a group of people and, and you no know, share with them. Uh, you know, this is what it is to have anxiety, truly have anxiety. And this is what I experience when I, when I do something. And this is how I would prefer uh, us meet, right? If you could just send the, the agenda, you know, an hour before we meet instead of two minutes before we meet, because I know, I know there's people who have anxiety who, who are not able to handle situations like that, especially in a workplace environment, right? Where they, they just get you know called up. Hey, could you go come up in, in the front of the room and share what it is? And, and, and that sends them into terrors, right? Like, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think since COVID's happened too, anxiety is shut up from people that didn't even identify as having any sort of, you know, neurotypical or a neurodiverse sort of tendencies. COVID has just expanded that to no tomorrow. And, and it's, it's been hard for me to see some of the struggles, you know, we have a lot of co-ops and, you know, other students and they're, they love the fact that we're, you know, not in person. We're all online. We're a completely remote company mm-hmm. or that they have the option of, of many of the students that I've met over the years or, or younger students just coming out and starting the workforce. They, they want hybrid because a lot of them have suffered, you know, like the cognitive load and the hybrid mm-hmm. and not wanting to come to terms with dyslexia or, you know, that, that, that they have autism or something like that, that this is just given them whole new potential, but I encourage them to share um, their experiences, especially within our group. I mean, it's a safe place here. You can't do that everywhere. The biggest question I get is, you know, how, how do I, how do I talk about it? Do I, how do I disclose, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's a different, question and answer for everybody depending on their personality I think but I encourage everyone I've met is you know talk about it so people yeah know. yeah I want to add there too because I want also to anyone who might be listening don't ever feel pressured though to share if you if you don't feel like it. there's a lot yeah. of people who say um you know who just are okay with not sharing too and yeah. that's and that's okay too you know yeah. yes encourage to share and you you brought up about uh you know when to disclose especially in a workplace right that's that's really difficult especially in large organizations when yeah. you don't know your boss very well you don't know your peers very well high pressure or high stakes environments sales environments or call center environments or things like that too where you have very strict deadlines or targets or things like that and uh 
um, you, you know, you know, don't ever feel pressure that you need to share, but um, finding out what the accommodations are in your workplace is, is a good place to start too. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part. I get asked that question so much. I've been self-employed for almost 20 years. So I don't know how to answer that for me. It's easy based on my personality and my situation, but I never know how to answer others in that, but I would agree. You don't feel pressured to do it, but I think having media to share those experiences. Um, When my daughter had a TikTok account, you know, she's 11 now and she was sharing her journey about having dwarfism and her emotions she was so much happier. Well, right. unfortunately, right. Right. she got banned because of the age, even though it was my account, you know, oh. all of a sudden her outlet disappeared. So wow. we still, we'd like to try that again, but you, you mean you only share what you want to share, but the idea of being able to share that journey and people can understand your emotions through, you know, the music and the dance or the the talk or the captions, it was a huge boost for her. So I I certainly love to see other creators sharing their, their information, but we're, we're talking lots, but we're almost at the end. And I wanted to know if you had anything else important that you would like to add. I mean, everything's important in my opinion about accessibility, diversity, inclusion, but is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Just one thing. And there's one thing that in our industry we're experiencing a lot of these days, and I read about it in blogs or I read about it on social posts or when I go to a conference, I hear people talk about it, and it's advocacy fatigue, right? Mm-hmm. People are so tired having to repeat themselves over and over and over again to their boss, their coach, their leader, their teacher, their whoever, about the fact that they have a disability and that you know it feels like they're just exhausted, especially people who are in our, you know, in our uh, profession, in our specialty, right, as advocates or as uh, leaders in in the uh, in the space, and to those people, I'd say that uh, there is a lot to be gained by learning about where somebody else is in their journey about accessibility. So one of the talks that I give. Uh, quite frequently is about speaking up and speaking out and how do you actually get your boss to listen and picking up a book on communications is, is really, really helpful, right? You know, I started talking, we talked about starting small. So your boss may be at only 10% knowledge about what accessibility even is. And so, or maybe, maybe they're struggling with their own way of understanding what disabilities are, and maybe they're doing it out of ignorance or maybe they're doing it out of, um, um, shame, like on you know, personal or internal shame or things like that. So understanding that where someone else is and starting from there and working your way up is going to be very helpful. Or I've seen lots of people move, uh, move the needle uh, when they, when they take it from that direction. Yeah, I, I definitely, when I talk to people, you know, I think I, I admit myself when I was diagnosed with um, Ehlers-Danlos, you don't think about it as a disability, but as it progressed, and I struggled and I even saw the example I had to lead for my own children is that disability isn't a bad word. You mm-hmm. know, we've in society, we've sort of created this thing that we're less than, or we can't do things. We're all just as great as the next person. So sometimes we have to do things differently and, you know, encouraging people to open their eyes about being flexible and, you know, giving opportunities where opportunities lie and just being proud of who you are regardless if we're different or not different and however you want to put that so I really appreciate always talking to you Cam it's always so enlightening and uh, 
Is there anything else you want to add? I know that you have lots of shows coming up. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm pretty excited. So tomorrow, I'm not sure when this is going to broadcast, but have uh, find me on LinkedIn. All right, Cam Baudouin. Is, is, I'm sure you'll have the, the spelling of that. People get all hung up on my <laughs> on the spelling of my last name. But find me on LinkedIn. I host a live show every Friday at noon Eastern. Um, some people coming on the show. Um, I've got people talking about ADHD and entrepreneurship. I've got the Chief Accessibility Officer of Canada coming on the show. I've got That's the awesome. yeah Director of Accessibility at Microsoft coming on the show. And what's really interesting is, like I said, I try and come at it from a business tilt so that if you are struggling at communicating the values and importance of accessibility to people within your organization, maybe come have a listen, have a look, and uh, and maybe you'll uh, you'll get something from it. Well, we'll make sure to drop your details in the podcast listing as well on our website. Uh, So thanks again for joining us, Cam. It's always great to see you and hopefully we'll be chatting again soon. Awesome. Great. Have a great day, Julie. Thanks, you too. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Hello again, everyone. I'm Jolene from Accessibrand, and I want to thank you for listening to the seventh episode of Why Access Matters. You just heard a conversation that I had with Cam Baudouin, who is the founder of Accelerated Accessibility. Please take a moment to reflect and think on some of the things he said and answer some questions for yourself. Recalling how he had to Google how to shake a blind person's hand, Cam remarked on the shift in his perception, saying, It was amazing because even though I was the guy for accessibility, I'd never met a user who uses assistive technology and would use the technology that I was building. So I was purely working out what the guidelines show. And as you and I both know, the guidelines are not everything. That was definitely a pivotal moment. And when I started to say, this is about the people, this isn't about the tech. Has anything similar happened to you? If yes, how did you handle it? And what did you learn? Please share your story with us. Cam also shared this metaphor for accessibility. Imagine if your child has swallowed some kind of a bottle of something underneath the sink. The poison control number should be on the front page because people will die if it's not. And it's such an obvious example that I use quite often where it's essential for society because it helps everyone understand. It helps everyone when you build, design, or create things with more people in mind. Is the prospect of creating an accessible website and our product too much for you, or are you worried that will eat up a lot of money or time? Consider this perspective. How many people would be affected by the lack of access and lower quality of life when a product or place is not accessible? If you're struggling with how to make your products, programs, or media accessible, please reach out. We would be happy to help. Lastly, Cam remarked, I heard something really interesting about Gen Z who is just starting to enter the workforce. Gen Z are looking to work for and purchase from organizations who have proper environmental sustainability and governance goals. And if you are not an organization who cares or thinks about these types of things, do you have a diversity, equity, inclusion goal or diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility plan? If you're not thinking of those things, the generation that is coming up in the workforce now does not want to work for you, and does not want to buy from you. Do you agree with these values? Do you have these goals, but don't know how and where to start? We and our colleagues and partners, including Cam, can help you with your accessibility plans. Contact us today. Send us your thoughts, ideas, and feedback that you have to our email to jolene at accessibrand.com or in the comments at our Apple podcast page 
and CastBox or under our posts on social media. We love when people connect there and you can find those in the description box of our episodes. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Well, we've reached the end. I'm Jolene from Accessibrand. Thanks for your patience and time in listening to me. My colleagues and our special guest, Campbell Duant, in our second episode of the second season of Why Access Matters, which is also the seventh episode to date. The next episode will follow every last Friday of each month. But until then, please send us your thoughts and ideas. Follow our podcast in podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, or any other platform you listen to podcasts on. Follow our fabulous guest, Cam, on LinkedIn. And don't forget to introduce us to your friends, family, and network. Please consider checking out our website if you need any accessibility services and would like to utilize the valuable lived experience and expertise of persons with disabilities. You can visit our website at www.accessibrand.com. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Accessibility.